Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. We're back into Ephesians today, starting Ephesians 3. And so I would like to read uh, Ephesians 3, 1 to 12, just to kick off. We're reading from the NIV and it says, For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this, then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to people in other generations, as it has been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God, who created all things. His intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you, therefore, not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. Three things I want to take out of this passage this morning. The first one is inerrancy. We're doing a bit of doctrine today. Inerrancy. Can everyone say inerrancy? Inerrancy. Can anyone spell it? I couldn't. Thanks to the red squiggly line in Microsoft Word, I got there. Inerrancy means... Not contrary to fact, without error. Basically means it's right. It's completely right. It's totally true. And when we talk about biblical inerrancy, we talk about the Bible being God's words, unadulterated, unchanged, unfiltered by humans. It is God's words and it is God's story totally from God, totally real. Let's just, let's just zoom in on verses 3, 4, and 5. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. This is Paul talking. In reading this, then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was made known to people in other generations, as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. So Paul here is giving himself... And his words, credibility. He uses first person. He says, I, Paul, in the first verse. And he talks about the revelation that God has given to him. He's trying to put credibility into his words. Now, he is trying to um, identify himself as a person with good reputation And his reputation has gone before him. So if you imagine the people in Ephesus, they would have been pretty chuffed to have received a letter from Paul, this guy that's doing amazing work after a a radical conversion, and he decides to write a letter to the church in Ephesus, which is really cool. So his name 
because of his reputation and his work and his ministry, it carries this authority and weight. So that's the first point about why we can take these scriptures and his words to be inerrant. But our culture, our Aussie culture, kind of swings the other way, doesn't it? We're naturally sceptical. You know, we're taught in high school and university to critically examine your sources. And so we come from a posture of scepticism. We don't come from a posture of reverence. And so it's often hard to read that. And we'll, we'll often hear someone say, oh, you know, I've, I've understood and I've received this from God. And we might find that arrogant and misleading. We often don't, we often, when someone says, I'm right, we often think, no, you're not, even though they've said you're right, except it's your wife, and then you just nod kind of, yeah, without thinking, oh, we got one uh, brave person that clapped. I don't know if that was a wife or a husband, but anyway, good on you. <laughs> um, anyway, there's a, a little marriage tip for you guys in there. Now, Paul writes to Timothy. He's written a lot in the New Testament. And in 2 Timothy 3.16, he says that all Scripture is God-breathed and inspired. So God-breathed just means it's passed on by God. If you breathe out, a part of you has come out. Your DNA, your bacteria. I don't think God has bacteria. Can't find a Bible verse about that. But anyway, but it reflects his character. When it's coming out of his innermost being, when, when it comes out of there, it reflects character. There's something poetic. There's something metaphorical about that. And so the question is, can we trust Paul when he says, yeah, I understand the mystery? Here's a few thoughts and points. So back in that time, oral tradition, so speaking publicly, was really highly regarded. And so Paul did rabbinical training. So he was, he was really well trained in Jewish customs, in Jewish history, and in the Jewish religion. So he knew a lot. And he gets this revelation. God, Jesus meets him on the road to Damascus, gives him this revelation, changes his character. And so when we look at where Paul writes all throughout the New Testament, we see this correlation of God's character throughout all his writings, that God is love, God pursues us, God doesn't make errors. And so he writes through all of his writings with this kind of theme. And so if you're Paul and you're going into different kind of areas in the known world, knowing that you could have rocks thrown at you, knowing that you could lose your reputation and you still carry that conviction and you still carry that same message and you don't adulterate it, that must mean that he thinks he's right. And he knew that he could have lost his life, but he took his job seriously. He understood his role in the history of church and the mission of God, and he didn't waver from that. We could do a whole month on biblical inerrancy, but we're just going to do a, a drive-by here this morning. And the fact that Jesus quotes the Old Testament in a, lot of his, in, in a lot of his public addresses would show that people in the Old Testament heard from the Holy Spirit, which is Jesus. And we could do a whole series on the Trinity as well, but we're going to swerve by that this morning. But anyway, our culture, not conditioned for it. Anyone can have a platform, whether you're an intellect or you're an imbecile. And so we just, we just don't trust people, do we? Speaking of imbeciles, um, <laughs> go with me here. I was made to feel like one uh, last week. So um, I'm getting my four-year-old ready for daycare. Now, he likes daycare, but daycare isn't his favourite day of the week. He prefers daddy days, mummy days, family days. 
nana days. Um, but anyway, daycare day, so I'm trying to get him ready. And I've repeated my instructions to get ready a few times. Now he's four, he can't dress himself, but anyway, doesn't change the fact that he ignored me. So, whilst playing Lego. So, I'm insistent at this point, I'm saying, mate, you have to get ready. Go to your room, I'll help you get dressed. And he really digs his heels in at this point after being told four times. And he says, Daddy, I don't want to go to daycare. I said, I know you don't want to go to daycare, but you have to. We pay for it. You have to go there today. And he said, really seriously, he goes, yeah, but did God tell you that I have to go to daycare? (laughs) No, he didn't. That doesn't change the fact that you have to go to daycare. He didn't tell me to pick you up from daycare either, but I still do that. Uh, The next point I want to pull out of this scripture, because we're trying to go deeper into it, is the mystery. Verse 6, the mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body and sharers together in the promises of Christ Jesus. So here we have this Jewish guy, Paul. He had everything to live for in terms of Jewishness, Jewish culture, um, what they inherit because of their being the people of God. And then he goes, no, actually, no, we're inviting the Gentiles into this group as well. So he stands for everything. So he, he can lose everything that he stands for, but by the grace of God, because he's converted to Christ and participates in the life of Christ. And he is a smart dude. But he still calls it a mystery. He's really, so he's one of the smartest of the smartest dudes. He understands Jewish culture, but he still calls it a mystery. So what, what, uh, what purpose, oh, sorry, what, how, how can we get our heads around it if he can't, if he's calling it a mystery? And I think that just shows the power and the nature and the almightiness of God if we just cannot fathom what this mystery is about. And so he's talking to the Ephesians who are very spiritual and very educated and he's still saying, yeah, you're not going to understand it, but feel it. Feel the power of the Holy Spirit. Think about your conversion and and understand that there's this war happening in the heavenly realms which you get to participate in. And then he talks about the outworkings of the church. This is my third point, and we're going to go into 10, 11, and 12. God's intent was that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. So remember, Ephesians was spiritual people, spiritual society, and so he's really making a cultural point here. Verse 11, according to his eternal purpose that he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in him and through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. So here's where Paul really starts to bring it home in this section of scripture. He's talking about the mystery, but he's, he's trying to make it simple. And then he's, then he's bringing people in to the fold as well. He's mentioning that the church The people of God have this mission. And so it's fantastic to receive a letter from Paul addressed to your church and they all get inspired and they all get uh, amazed at all the wisdom that he's sharing because he is a smart dude and he knows what God's up to in the known world. But then they get this advice or this invitation to participate. And so he encourages them to engage with the highest rulers and the authorities in heaven. So not just in the heavenly realms, sorry, as it says in the NIV. So not just the highest people in society, but 
to engage in spiritual battle. And that's what Paul is, is writing to us about as well, that we get to participate in that, that he's inviting everyone to play. And that's, that's the whole point of the church, that everyone gets to play. That's why we have such a value of volunteering here at the chapel. That's why we have such a, a mission about going out and building disciples, making disciples and building them up. Everyone gets to play, no matter where we're at in our journey of faith, no matter what we're gifted in, we all get to play. And so freely and confidently, he says, is the way that we can approach the throne. And if we link it to some of his previous verses in chapter 2, verse 6, we're just going to press rewind for a moment here. Ephesians 2, verse 6 and 7 says, And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. He gets to, he gets to paint this picture of where we can be as Christians. That's the end goal. Do you want to play? Well, this is the trophy. Incomparable riches. Eternity in heaven with Christ seated next to him. That's, where you, that's what you get if you play this game. That is the mission of God. And that's what he's inviting the Ephesians into here in this passage and throughout this whole book. And so Paul was a guy... When he was Jewish, he was always Jewish, but when he was just a Jew, before conversion, he was the guy that decimated the church. And God chose to give the guy that had the sledgehammer, he gave him the blueprint for the church. And so he gives him apostleship. He rapidly and, and radically changes him, changes the sledgehammer for the blueprint. And he gets to build, he gets to play his part in building the church and promoting the mission of God. That's grace. That's grace. That is the overwhelming, underlying message of Ephesians, that if you accept grace, you get to play and you get to inherit heavenly riches. And so as we, as we go into our reflection time right now. Hey again. Thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.